The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. resources properly things are going south and people appear to be clueless you know and when we say let's 
Let us thank God for Nigeria. The question is, what are we thanking God for? And those that are, are, are really passionate about this nation are, are, you know, their hearts are broken. And some of them have exited the country. In fact, those that have returned are wondering, what did I even come back for? But you see, I'm here to say to, to you today that you cannot and we cannot give up on Nigeria. Praise the name of the Lord. We cannot give up on Nigeria. This is the only country that we have. Even if you have a British passport, even if you have an American passport, even if you have, even if you have um, a German passport, even if you have dual citizenship, the only country, if you are like me, I'm not talking about those that are, are not Nigerians, and we know that non-Nigerians are here, I mean, that's fine, but I'm talking about those of us that are Nigerians, you know what I'm saying. What you have is a passport. Under your skin, you are a... You're a Nigerian. You're a Nigerian. You know? And, and many times, you know, I've, I've been in conversation with people, I mean, great guys that love this nation. One of my friends in the UK, and we we're, were having a conversation, and he was, he was telling me how hopeless Nigeria is. How, look, this country, they forget it. And his reasons were, I mean... Obvious. And I'm not oblivious of the facts that we have challenges. But my point to him and to us is this. The only country that we can be and not be second class citizens is Nigeria. You can be, um, you can have a UK passport. But the British, they know themselves. Oh, yes, they know themselves. Praise the name of the Lord. There is no way you will still be a second-class citizen. It's only in Nigeria that you can raise your head and be a first-class citizen. Praise the name of the Lord. And, and that is the truth. And that is the truth. We cannot give up on Nigeria. So, for him to get the point, I, I, you know, because he loves soccer also. I mean, he's very passionate about football. And, you know, so I said to him, that if, if Great Britain wins the World Cup, which they won't. Because, you know, again, I was saying in the second watch experience that Nigeria is a, is a greater footballing nation than Great Britain. Greater by, by all standards. We just don't have media to cover our own Nyimba. <laughs> <laughs> no, but, no, 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 but, 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 but I'm telling you, the last time Great Britain won anything, 1966, they won the World Cup. After that, we were just six years old. What have they won? Have they won any Euros? Nigeria has won two Nations Cup. Have they won any under 17? Nigeria has won three under 17 gold medals. We've won about two silver medals. Have they, how many silver? Oh, three nations come. <laughs> President of the Lord. Have they won any Olympic gold? We won an Olympic gold. We won an Olympic bronze in soccer. Look, we are not on the same level. 
If you don't know history, you will think they are better off. They are not. You want to learn to play soccer, come to Nigeria. (laughs) Check the records. We are not even close. We are not close. And I said to him, if Great Britain wins the World Cup, which they will not before Nigeria, we will win before them. If Great Britain wins the World Cup, no, I'm not beefing Great Britain. I just see God. I don't have any. I love the country. I mean, my brother lives there. I mean, my sister, my, my sister used to live there. I've, I mean, my, I've loved ones there. So I'm just telling you. If, that means it's what you have that you appreciate, that you live. If you let anybody rubbish you, then you are rubbished. You should know who you are and lift up your head and walk tall. Praise the name of the Lord. We are Nigerians. So, so, so I said, if Great Britain wins the World Cup, he will be happy. And, and I, of course, because the country has, has done a lot for him. But I said to him, when Nigeria wins the World Cup, the joy we feel will be nothing compared to. And he says he agrees. There's no nation that will become great that will bring you joy than this nation. So you cannot give up on Nigeria. We cannot give up on Nigeria. We will, all these people that want to destroy us, God will destroy all of them. In the name of Jesus. I, no, I kid you not. We will win this nation. Oh yes, we will. Yes, we will. And you see, because independence is one thing. Freedom is another thing. You can be independent and not free, obviously. I mean, Nigeria has been independent 56 years. Are we free? We are not free. So it's one thing to be independent. It's another thing to be free. So what, what connects independence to freedom? What is the bridge that takes you from independence to freedom? There are people that have been independent. They are adults, but they are not free. So what connects you from independence to freedom? It's a bridge called the bridge of responsibility. Responsibility. In fact, someone says, and I totally agree, that in the U.S. you have the Statue of Liberty, of independence, of liberty. That beside it, there should be a Statue of Responsibility. Because we have a generation of people that have liberty, but don't understand responsibility. Therefore, they are in bondage and are not free. When you take responsibility for your life, when you know that if I am to fulfill my destiny, it is up to God and up to me, you are on your way to freedom. When you take responsibility for your life and you stop blaming your country, and you stop blaming the economy. And you stop blaming your husband. You stop blaming your wife. You stop blaming your brother. You stop blaming your siblings. And you take responsibility for your life. And you know that if I am going to fulfill my destiny, it is up to God and it is up to me. You are on your way to freedom. That's when you can be really free. 
And, and Jesus is saying to us and, and was telling us in a story in Luke chapter 18 why we should never give up. We should never give up. In Luke 18 verse 1, Jesus is telling us this powerful story. The Bible says one day Jesus told his disciples a story to show that they should always pray that is up to God and never give up up to them. It is up to God and it is up to it is up to me. They should always pray and never give up. There was a judge in a certain city, he said, who neither feared God nor cared about people. A widow of that city came to him repeatedly saying, give me justice in this dispute with my enemy. The judge ignored her for a while. But finally, he said to himself, I don't fear God or care about people. But this woman is going to drive me crazy. (laughs) I'm going to see that she gets justice. Because she's wearing me out with a constant request. Then the Lord said, learn a lesson. We have to learn a lesson from this unjust judge. Even he rendered a just decision in the end. Don't you think God will surely give justice to his chosen people who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will grant justice to them quickly. But when the Son of Man returns, Jesus is saying, when I come back, how many will I find on earth who has not given up. Jesus says, when I come back, will I meet you in a state where you have not given up, when you still have faith, when you have a request that is pending, but you are not letting go, you are trusting God to the end. Will I meet you trusting and in faith? That's what Jesus is saying. And with life comes problems. Life is filled with challenges. And God knows that it's easy to give up. So God is saying to you and I, don't give up. The reason God is saying don't give up is because God knows that you can't. He says, I'm tired. God says, don't. Don't give up. Instead of giving up, we should pray and not faint. We should pray and not be tired. We should pray and not give up. But some of us will say, well, but Pastor, why do I have problems? Why, why do I have all these problems? Why do I have these problems? I, I want to speak to that for a few minutes. Why do I have problems? I want to give us perspectives on life and, and as God sees. The first thing I need you to know is this. Is God knows and God cares about you. That's the first thing you need to know. God knows and God cares about you. In Jeremiah 29, 11, Jeremiah 29, 11, the word of God says that, for I know the plans I have for you, says the eternal. Plans of peace, not evil, to give you a future and hope. 
and he says something that I really like, never forget that. So God is saying, never forget that I have a plan for you and it's a plan of good and not of evil. Never forget it. Settle it in your heart. I am for you. I am not against you. Settle it in your heart. That's the first thing we need to embrace. That's the first thing we need to understand. The second thing is this. All things work together for good. All things are going to work for your good. All things. The pastor, all things, all things. Even the things that the enemy did to me, yes, God is going to turn it for your good. Even the mistake I made, pastor, are you sure? Yes. God, what does everything mean? It means everything. I mean, Romans 8, 28. It says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for good. God doesn't cause everything to happen to us. But God says, everything that happened, I will cause to work for your good. So, you mean, all the bad things that have been thrown my way? Yes, even those ones. They will work for your good. In fact, I I want to challenge you to do this, which is what I said in the previous two services. When you get home, be specific. Take a particular area of your life that you think is challenging. Look at that area. If it's this envelope, to say, this envelope... I just want to tell you, you are going to work for my good. Praise the name of the Lord. Go to another one. Let's say it's, it's, it's this iPad. Say, iPad or oh, iPad. I'm just letting you know. Just for your information, you are working for my, for my good. You are, you are going to, I don't know what you are doing. And all these things. It's going to work for my... And that is how it's going to be. It is not just positive proclamation. No, 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 no. It is the word of God. Everything will work for our good. Everything. Even in this nation, Nigeria, everything will work for our good. Because you are here and because I'm here. Why do I have problems? The third thing I want you to consider is this. God is developing you. God is building you up. And muscles are developed through resistance. Muscles are developed through resistance. So, if you, if you see the people that want to develop muscles, you know they go to the gym and they begin to carry weights. Those weights form resistance and because of the pressure and the stretching, the tearing of those muscles and the rebuilding of the muscle cells, the, the muscles end up getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. Now, if you get a chance to see, or if you have tried to develop muscles, or you get a chance to see people that are developing muscles, it's a serious process. They are sweating. I'm like, why are you suffering yourself? Just enjoy life. Who says that there's no life for Fido Dido? <laughs> there's life for Fido Dido. <laughs> In 2 Corinthians 10, for, sorry, 4.17, 2 Corinthians 4.17, it says, for our present troubles 
are, they are what? They are small. And they won't last very long. It says, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So God is saying, the trouble you are going through is going to make you stronger. Even though the enemy meant it for evil, God is turning it around for your good. Praise the name of the Lord. It's going to make you stronger. It's going to make you stronger. And he's saying, by the time it's done, it produces something in you that stays with you. So, take the gym illustration again. If when the, you, the guy or the people are in the gym, they're sweating, they're, you know, and they're stretching themselves and all that. But when they leave the gym, their muscles go with them. Praise the name of the Lord. That is what God is saying. When you leave the gym, the muscles go with you. When you are done, the glory goes with you. Just like being in a math class. You're in a math class, your teacher is really tough. And you're enduring the math session. And enduring the math session. And enduring the math session. After a while, you leave that class, you graduate. What happens to the teacher? Does the teacher follow you about life? The teacher does not. But what happens to the maths? The math stays with you and follows. That's what God is saying. The math stays with you and follows you. It produces something in you. The challenge with a lot of us is that when we are in the math class, we are quarreling with the teacher. We don't understand the teacher. We have issues with the teacher. We give the teacher the bad attitude and we don't learn the math. So when we come out of the class, there's no maths there. So, what does heaven do? Heaven says, carry over. So, we, we have people that are repeating life lessons because they never got it. Because you haven't gotten it, you know. Over and over. I pray that you will not have carryovers in the name of Jesus. God is saying, it works for your good. For your good. And if you look at that scripture, 2 Corinthians 4.17, it says that every present trouble are small. God is saying your troubles are small. He said, but, but, but pastor, my own is big. Your own is big, but God is saying it's small. So who do you believe? God. So the problem is small. See it as God sees it. God sees it small, then it is what? It is small. Secondly, God says it is, it is small and it won't last very long. So it is not only small, which leads us to the next thought, every challenge you are facing right now has an expiry date. Has an expiry date. If you check the back of the container, the date is there. Not good after 2nd of October 2016. 
Praise the name of the Lord. Every problem has an expiry date. Everything you are going through has an expiry date. Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, For everything that happens in life, there's a season and a right time for every activity under heaven. Every challenge has an expiry date. Think about it. There were things in your life years ago that you did not even think you were going to come out of. You didn't even know how it was going to happen. But today, are you not out of it? You're out of it. It has expired already. And the one you are facing now today will also expire. Praise the name of the Lord. It will also expire. You see, the challenge for you and I is to make sure that what God wants to achieve through it right now is achieved in us. We should make sure that the challenges and the problems does not destroy us so that by the time the challenges expire, we don't expire with it. You must make up your mind to outlast the trouble and be standing by the time it's all said and done. There are people that have challenges and they carry these challenges for so, I mean, so heavily in their hearts. By the time the challenge expires, they have eyeball pressure. They live for another 40 years. Get what? They are nurturing eyeball pressure for 40 years for nothing. When you can just cast your bodies upon Jesus and go to sleep. Praise the name of the Lord. There are people that are diabetic today. Why? Because of the challenges they allowed to get into their system. And the challenges had expired. And when the challenges had expired, guess what? The disease stays with them until Jesus heals them. So what am I saying to you today? What I'm saying to you today is cast your cares upon Jesus. And leave it there. And go to bed. Because this too shall pass, as they say. It will. It has an expiry date. Don't worry yourself. It's going to pass. Amen. And by the way, even things that are set, even things that are predetermined, can be changed by prayer. And intercession. Even things. Intercession can alter set times and predetermined events. Even things that heaven, heaven says, this is what is going to happen. You can change it by prayer. The pastor, is that, is that so? Yes, it is. Can you show me in the Bible? Yes, I will. <laughs> I will show you more than one. In the Bible, one instance in the Bible. Take the case of Jesus in John chapter 2, 3 to 5. It says, the wine ran out during the festivities, the wedding festivities. So Jesus' mother told him, he interceded on behalf of the couple. They have no wine. Their woman, that's not our problem, Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. This was Jesus, God in human form, saying, my time has not yet come. But the mother put pressure and said to the disciples, to the, disciples, to the servants, 
Do whatever he tells you to do. And Jesus' time that has not yet come. What happened to the time? He came. Everyone that they are telling you your time has not yet come. Your time has not yet come. This week, that time will come. In the name of Jesus. You see, that's why I'm so, I'm so, I'm so, I'm so fired up about these videos. We are, we are going to be having videos from tomorrow, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We are going to change it set times. Even with all humility, the one set by heaven, we will change it. <laughs> we will change it. In 2 Kings, sorry, well, there's an instance in 2 Kings, but in the Isaiah account, Isaiah 38, from verse 1, Ezekiah had been sick. And about this time, Ezekiah became deadly ill. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you are going to die from this disease. You will not recover from this illness. When Ezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and he prayed. Remember, oh Lord, how I have always been faithful to you. Now, faithfulness can deliver you from death. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh yes, it can. It can. It can. And how I have served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. And he broke down and wept bitterly, serving God. You see, there's a time, the time will come eh, when there's nothing in your bank account that can help you. When even the number one prophet in the land cannot help you. Where the only thing that can help you is your account in heaven. And I'm praying that when you need to draw on it, it will not be empty. In the name of Jesus. When the only thing that we count, Isaiah was the number one prophet in the land. He came and said, this is what God has said. God, the creator of everything. And this man faced the wall and said, God, remember, I have an account with you. And I'm about to withdraw right now. That's what he was saying. Then this message came to Isaiah, from the Lord to Isaiah. Go back to Ezekiah and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor, David, says, I have heard your prayer and I've seen your tears. I will add 15 more years to your life. This was a word from the most authentic guy at the time. And he came and said, this is what God has said. And Ezekiah turned and faced God, faced God. And another translation says, while Isaiah was in the courtyard of the king, he has not left the palace. He was still going out of the palace. God said to him, go back and tell him, I have changed the time and I have overturned the event. He's not going to die. 15 more years. Now, what makes a man be able to influence heaven 
like that. You can. Praise the name of the Lord. Oh, yes. Job was, was pleading. Job says, oh, I wish somebody would plead for me. I say, yeah, Job, why don't you learn to plead for yourself? Again, there comes a time when the Isaiahs of this world can only tell you what God has said. And they will only say, thus says the Lord. Put your house in order. The only thing that will change things is, do you have a voice in heaven? And I'm praying that today you will, God will begin to register your voices in the name of Jesus. And your, and your, your voice will be able to carry power. I, I, mean, I can give you several examples from my own life of things that people was not supposed to be. Oh, yes. And by the grace of God, it was overturned. As a church, this land that you are on, that we are on, we weren't supposed to, we are not supposed to be here. They have cooked it and sealed it. I think I was in, I was in North Carolina at the time. And I heard it. You know? And, and, you know, the way it was, was that there were these two prophetic guys that, that are my friends. I have a relationship with them. That are very powerful people, very anointed people. And God had told them. They knew about it. Now, this is where it got interesting. They knew about it. And the position they took was, ah, let's see. Now, when you have friends that have power with God, and they pick up that you have challenges, shouldn't they pray for you? But they saw the magnitude of the effort it will take, and they were not willing to pay it. And I said to my wife, this is what has happened. This is what, if I heard the conversation, this is what they have said. And I said to her, as God lives, we are going to take that land. And we engaged. And we changed it. And we are here today. And these same prophetic people, I said, ah, congratulations. Eh, that's how they say it. Congratulations. Don't depend on man. Mm. The best of men is a man. Uh, all Isaiah could do was say to the king, Isaiah could do intercede for the king. He said, this is what God has said. You must have power with God. You must. You must. And for some people, you know that the time has come for you to enter into certain things, but there are forces that are withstanding you, and they've been successful up until now. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this week they will crumble. Amen. Totally crumble. There are things that are, they have, they have a set time, like a pregnancy, a woman get pregnant, nine months, right? 
you know, she, she gives birth. But some people, as it were, not literally, it's not a word of knowledge. I'm just giving as an example. You know, so pregnancies have gone on for 15 years. I mean, we are 15 months, hopefully not 15 years. I mean, you know, and even much more than that, you know, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, those forces will lose their back and lose their hold in the mighty name of Jesus. Hebrews 11.6 that we have read says to us, but without faith it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to walk with God and to please God. It's impossible. For whoever comes near to God must necessarily believe that God exists and that he rewards those who earnestly and diligently seek him. God is a rewarder of those that earnestly and diligently seek him. Look at verse 2 of that text, our text. The woman came to the judge and the judge said, I neither feared God nor care about people. But we have come to the one that rules in the heaven who is God and cares about us. The just says, I don't fear God and I don't care about people, but we have come to God himself that cares about us. Why would we not get answers? Praise the name of the Lord. Again, spiritually, knowledge is power. Knowledge is power. In verse 3, the widow repeatedly said to the judge, give me justice in this dispute. Give me justice. She pestered the judge. She was persistent. She was importunate. She was insistent. This woman went repeatedly. I mean, I've heard Christians argue vehemently how, whether when you come to God, when you just make a request, once I just ask in the name of Jesus, then that's it. If I ask again, it means I don't have faith. If you ask again, it means you don't ask. So you have people that are asking again and are feeling bad and all that stuff. So if, if I ask again, that means I don't have faith. Guess what? That's kindergarten stuff. ABC. Very, very, very elementary. Repetition is not a problem in the spirit realm. No, no, no. no. It's not a problem. Even Jesus himself was the master of repetition. Say, Pastor, yes. While he was praying, yes. Can you show me? Absolutely. Matthew 28, 26, 34 to 38. 38 to 44. He says, Matthew 26. Jesus was praying. He went, he came back. He said to the disciples, you guys are sleeping. He went, he came back saying the same things. By the time you get to verse 44, Jesus, the Bible says that, so he went to pray the third time, saying what? The same things again. What, what is that? That's repetition. That's repetition. And it's not repetition for repetition's sake. Why should we repeat prayers? Is God deaf? 
So it's not repetition for repetition's sake. Do you know the, the, the widow kept asking, not because the judge was deaf, not because the judge hadn't heard. The widow kept asking because the judge hadn't acted. When a child asks a father for a toy, and the father says, I will get it for you. Does the child stop? Does the father think that is strange? Of course it's not strange. The child keeps asking. Keeps asking. Keeps asking. So we keep asking. We keep coming to God. Not because he hasn't heard of us. But we keep coming because we will not relent until we receive what we are asking for. Let Jesus say in heaven, there are these people on earth, close from the house, they are in different countries in the world. Once they ask for something, they will not back down until they get it. Let him say, there are these people that have faith on earth that I can be sure they are persistent. They will knock the door and break it down until they get what they desire. Didn't God himself say to us in Isaiah 62, verse 7, it is what? It says, give the Lord no rest until he completes his work. Until he makes Olufemi Monai the pride of the earth. Until he makes God's favorite house the pride of the earth. Until he makes everyone in God's favorite house the pride of the earth. Until he makes Nigeria the pride of the earth. Give him no rest. That's what it says. That's what it says. Keep coming called the principle of continual coming. Keep coming. Keep asking. Keep asking. Keep asking. From Monday, we are going to engage. We've been praising. And our praising God is not because we want to I'm twisting. It's because we love him. But guess what? We are in a place now that we can ask. And he has said we should ask. And we are going to ask. Praise the name of the Lord. As I pull the curtain on this, the widow of the city, the Bible says. Is she is the widow of the city. She is a citizen of that country. In other words, she has rights. The widow had rights. And she came to the judge. Give me my rights. So the widow came to demand for a what? For a right. For you to be able to overturn things in heaven, you must have rights. You must have a voice in heaven. You must have a standing. A standing. A legal standing. You must be a bona fide child of God. And maybe there are some of us you used to have rights but they have withdrawn your, your passport. And you know they've withdrawn it because you have sacrificed it because of earthly pleasure. You sacrificed it. You sold your birthright for beans. I pray that you get it back today. In the name of Jesus. Let's bow our hearts as we bow our heads. If you are saying today, Pastor, if you are in any of those two categories, Pastor, I need to have rights in heaven. I need to have a voice in heaven. I need to have... I need to become a citizen of the city of the living God. Oh, you're saying, I used to have rights. Ah, I used to have rights. But now, pastor, 
I want my rights restored. Then any of those two categories, you're saying, Pastor, can I come forward? No, you don't need to come forward. Wherever you're seated, I want to pray with you. I want to pray with you. That is me. Put up your hand now over your head. I'll pray with you wherever you're seated. Your rights will be restored. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my sister. God bless you, my brother over there. Keep the hands up. Keep the hands up. God bless you. I'm going to slip a card in your hand. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. God bless you, my sister. Keep the hands up. God bless you. That is me. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my sister. God bless you. God bless you, my brother. That is me. God bless you right there, my sister. At the corner, God bless you. Right there, at the corner, God bless you. That is me, Pastor. Pray with me. God bless you, my sister. Right here in front. That is me. Pray with me, Pastor. Pray with me. Pray with me. I want to be a bona fide child of the living God. I want to have rights in heaven. Oh, I've sacrificed my rights. I want to come back to God. I used to be on fire for Jesus, but I am backsliding. You know it. Put up that hand. Now, I will pray together. Over your head. God bless you right there. God bless you right there. That's me. God bless you, sir. God bless you. That is me. That is me. The rest of us, let's talk to God. Let's pray. Let's pray. Let's talk to God. Let's say to God. There are some of us, you are here, like, like God gave us a word of knowledge at, at, at this second worship experience. You are here. You are being enticed right now. You are being enticed right now to sacrifice your birthright. Don't do it. Say to God. Empower me. And I pray that every plot of hell to make you lose your birthright will fail. In the name of Jesus. Say to God, empower me, Lord, this week. Help me to focus. Help me to finish strong. Oh, Father, we thank you. We give you praise and glory, Lord. What a mighty God you are. We pray for everyone that is surrendering to you, Lord. We ask that you write their names in the book of life. Give them rights in heaven, Lord. Those that have sacrificed their rights, Lord, my Father, help them. Have mercy on them. Restore their rights. And let your name be glorified. Honor and glory we give unto you. Honor and glory we give unto you, Father. In Jesus' mighty name, we are praying. Amen. Let's put our hands together for the Lord. And let's thank you for his kindness, for his words.